Well, our theme for today is, are you ready for your finest hour? Now think about that. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but what if your opportunity came and you weren't ready? What do you do to get ready? How do you develop a talent? Hey, we're going to be talking about that and more. Well, our sponsor today is our friends at Harry's Razors. Harry's.com. You can use 48 days as a code to get $5 off your very reasonable purchase there. It's a razor I use every morning to start my day fresh and clean. Tell you a little bit more about that in a second. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at. Dan, I'm in my mid-30s and I feel like I'm stuck in my job. Actually stuck in my J-O-B. When people really want to emphasize it, they spell it out in capital letters with periods in between. Stuck in my J-O-B. Somebody says, I'm a single parent and need to find creative ways to increase my income. Dan, would sharing about my own past struggles undermine my credibility as a coach? An interesting question. Dan, I'm in my late 30s and have been diagnosed with a chronic condition that makes it difficult to walk or even stand sometimes. How can I keep generating income? And somebody says, can my husband make a living with his motorsport photography? Well, here's our quotation for today. It comes from Winston Churchill, who said, to every man there comes in his lifetime that special moment when he is figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing unique to him and fitted to his talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds him unprepared or unqualified for the work, which would be his finest hour. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 days to the work you love with Dan Miller on the 48 days online radio show. Whether you need a professional tune up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, the questions just keep coming in. I'm always amazed at the reality of situations that people are confronted with. You know, sometimes I feel like I talk about failure all the time. Talk about how to move from a J-O-B to doing something on your own. But, you know, the questions are always fresh and new because everybody's situation is different. Your situation is unique. We want to help you talk about your situation, what you can do that only you need to do. Well, I said Harry's.com is our sponsor today. I love partnering with some of these people that just have real life products that I certainly use. Harry's is one of those. Their their website says they're handsomer, sharper, less expensive -er. And they are that indeed. They're the only blades where they make the blades and sell them to us directly. Everybody else distributes some that, some that are made by somebody else. Now, hey, listen to this. This is really, we're going to talk about a lot of creativity today, but this is a really artistic, creative description of Harry's. Like a paintbrush on a wet canvas, our cartridges, pliant rubber hinge, flexes to the contours of your face for precise control over a wide surface area. A small band of aloe vera and vitamin E soothes and nourishes your skin for a soft, smooth finish. Doesn't that sound appealing? Sounds like a bottle of wine or something. Well, hey, Harry's Razors, they're that good. They're that classy. Use 48 days as the code to get $5 off your purchase. Now, I want to have some success stories here. Now, it's going to sound like they're not success stories, but I'll tell you where the success lies, and that is in community members' response to these questions. 
That's what I love about it. That's what makes them successful is because people realize the wealth of resources that are available just through the 48 Days community, how people are so willing to reach out. So this comes uh, from Art Hughes, who said, I'm feeling lost. I'm writing this to reach out to anyone who wouldn't mind giving advice. I'm in my mid-30s, and I feel like I'm stuck in my J-O-B. I want to one day leave and work for myself, maybe start a business. Most importantly, I want to do something that I'm passionate about. But the problem is I don't know what that is. I just can't see myself ever leaving a job. It seems like that's just a dream. I have a wife and two young kids, and I want more for them, but I don't know where to start. I joined this community three years ago, was active for a brief period of time, just didn't stay involved, which was a mistake. I'm back now because those same feelings that I had three years ago that brought me here never went away. And now it's really got me down. Maybe it's someone that was in my shoes and accomplished those same goals or someone who's in my shoes now that wants to talk. I'm ready to stay involved with like-minded people. I'd appreciate any advice or ideas. Now, that, that was just something that was laid out in the 48days.net community. And I love people's immediate response. Angela Chatham says, Art, it doesn't have to seem just like a dream. Once you determine what you want to do, your dreams can come true if you create a plan and take actionable steps. If you'd like to chat for 30 minutes, email me. She gives her email address. You can also check out my site at pressingforward.org. Now, I love the fact that people just so readily say, hey, I'll talk with you. You know, I'll give you 30 minutes to talk through that. Stephanie O'Brien, who's one of our mastery level coaches, says, hey, Art, you've done well to reach out for support and help. Um, Angela is a fantastic person to connect with. I also have a group called the Passion Project, where we discuss the very things you've mentioned. It's a very powerful, supportive group if you want to be notified of the next enrollment period. In the meantime, I want to encourage you on replacing negative, limiting, and defeating thoughts with victorious ones. First step is to really get it in your heart that you can do this. Envision yourself succeeding. You stated, I can't imagine. I want to challenge you to omit that from your words that you speak. Speak, I can imagine. I can do. And Stephanie says, I'm creating a new 30-day challenge to transform our minds, hearts, and attitudes to have us walking powerfully in our purpose. I'll connect with you here to send part of it to you through a personal message. Now, I want to add there just a little bit. I can't resist. I listened to a podcast this week with Dan Sullivan from Strategic Coach. There's a podcast that Dan Sullivan and Peter Diamandis do. Peter Diamandis founded the X Prize, you know, offered $10 million to the first people that could go up into space with something, bring it back down, go back up again in two weeks. Anyway, really cool story. And he's a brilliant guy, both Peter and Dan are, but Dan says we need to reframe how we talk about failure. We need to eliminate it from our vocabulary. And I really like this. I'm going to start working with all the people that I work with in the same way. Eliminate failure from our vocabulary. If you try something new, you try something that you've never done before. It's big and challenging and scary and you don't know how it's going to go. There's only two outcomes. Only two outcomes. Either you succeed or you learn. That's it. Those are the only two possibilities when you try something new. Either you succeed or you learn. Now, if you frame it as such, you'll get rid of this garbage about, oh my, I failed, I stubbed my toe, I boo-booed. Just get rid of that. You learned. Those are times in looking back 
the things where other people would see that I, in fact, failed. And those were times when I figured out how to do things that I didn't know before. And those launched me into the kind of things that I'm doing today that I would have missed otherwise. Well, golly, Alan Devonit responds to Art's question. I feel you, man. I've been there myself. Although I do work a job, I'm also running a couple successful businesses. I'd love to talk to you. Feel free to text me. Gives me gives him his number and email. I'm also in my 30s and have a wife and four kids. I definitely understand the struggle. But let me tell you, figuring this thing out is so worth it. Hit me up. Can somebody just volunteering? Um, this comes from Dawn. Dawn Best, who says, Art, I understand your dilemma. As I write this, I'm in the hospital with my husband after a fall from our roof. I joined this community in 2013, have experienced some crazy things since. My mother's cancer diagnosis, a move from Ohio to Pennsylvania, finding new work, a pregnancy, another move, birth of my daughter, death, death of my mother, and here we are today. I'd be lying if I didn't say some of my goals got sidetracked along the way. Sometimes goals are quick and take mere days or weeks to accomplish. Sometimes, though, even in the best of circumstances, they take longer. This has kept me going. Along these simple facts, it's never too late to change your life. You're always learning and bettering yourself each day. And it only takes one great idea to take off. Maybe it's your next idea, in fact. Boy, I love the kind of counsel, coaching, advice that people are providing here. Uh, Jen McDonald gets involved. Oh my gosh, I feel your pain. Sometimes we want something so bad, we aren't quite sure how to get there. I left my job last July and I've never looked back. Not only has it been an amazing journey, but I enjoyed the heck out of it. have to say the years leading up to my Independence Day at times seem very long, very frustrating, and yes, at times even a bit hopeless. But she goes on, you know, as a mom with four kids, my income was very important, so she had to make a transition where she was really making income. And she says, goes on, Art, whether you work with me or not, know that I love your authenticity in posting this. Sometimes it is that hard reality of taking inventory of where we are and where we want to be that gets us moving. Keep up the great work of exploring and moving forward. It'll be worth it to your family and you in the end will discover what you're really created to do. Now, I just point that out. I consider that a great success story just to see how people rally together to link arms, offer freely help to get a fellow partner on this road of life up and moving and doing it together. Love that. Sheree Pratt put up, I need to increase my income. I'm looking for creative ways to increase my income. I currently work as an accounts payable clerk. I'm a single parent. My son is about to start school, which I have to pay for. I'm returning back to school myself. I'll graduate in May. I got a part-time job and wore myself out. I would get off one job, run to the other. I was working seven days a week. And when your three-year-old tells you you work too much, it is a problem. So I know it has to have a way for me to make money from home. I love to bake, but I don't see that being a big, that being a big moneymaker. There's so many bakers in this area. I'm also really good with computers and also data entry. If anyone can help or give an idea, I would really appreciate it. Again, she got inundated with help. Pete Eric says, don't be discouraged by the fact that there's so many bakers in your area. It's not like you're trying to take over their entire market share. You're just trying to create a little bit of extra income. If you have a unique angle, you have the opportunity to stand out and build a customer base. Do you have the best cookies, cake pops, a product that's different than the other bakers? And great advice. <clears throat> Greg Davis, same thing. 
I, Sharia, work with a lot of e-commerce merchants that are small to medium-sized businesses and says he'd be happy to help her. Matthew Curry says, uh, adds another thing in and gives an example that I gave uh, some time ago on how to generate extra income by having multiple number of small clients. And just on and on and on. Again, somebody says, I definitely feel you on this. I do a lot of affiliate marketing, work out of the home. I'd love to chat with you. Shoot me an email. I mean, the resources that are available, if you just reach out and ask, are pretty phenomenal. Now, I appreciate you asking questions here. You know, we want to connect you with resources here. Keep those questions coming as well. If you got a question for me here, be happy to entertain that. If you're hearing this for the first time, you just go to 48days.com site, click on Ask Dan, and you'll see an opportunity there to do that. Or if you're driving down the road to listen to this and you, uh, it's easier for you to remember, just shoot an email to askdan at 48days.com. Incidentally, I was looking a little earlier here. If you're listening to this, this podcast it will be released on August 21st, and if you're listening then, we only have 132 days remaining this year. I don't know if that's good or bad. It seems like the year is flying by, but yeah, 132. So we're well past the halfway point, heading into the downward stretch in that last quarter of the year. Incidentally, on August 21st, um, a couple famous birthdays popped up. Wilt Chamberlain. Now, some of you listening aren't old enough to remember Wilt Chamberlain, I suppose, but he was a great, great basketball player. And his birthday was August 21st. Another one is Kenny Rogers. Some of you there, even if you're young, the millennials and Gen X, Gen Yers, you'll you'll know that because his songs are still popular. Um, golly, I've I, I got him running through my head. I used to go hear Kenny Rogers when he was in Columbus, Ohio, playing at little places where, you know, 30 people would be there. Back when it was Kenny Rogers and the first edition. Jeez, that dates me. That's back in the old Ohio State days but uh there in columbus ohio y'all kenny rogers before anybody knew his name started out there i used to go get to go hear him once in a while well here's a couple interesting posts and then we're going to celebrate by doing our queen telling us we are the champions here but again just some great things that i just want to share real briefly angela chatham mentioned her earlier because she reached out to somebody but she's obviously very active in the 48days.net community And she wrote a post, do it afraid. One of the main things that can hold you back in pursuing your dreams is fear. I know for many years I did not pursue my dreams because of fear. There are different kinds of fear. There's a fear of failing. There's a fear of what others will think. There's a fear of the unknown. Whatever your fears, know that you can overcome them and not let them hinder your success in future. Now she goes on with her blog post. You can check it out on 48days.net, but do it afraid. And that's a really great point. I mean, you don't have to, don't, don't think that you're going to eliminate fear. My gosh. I mean, think about anything that's really exciting. If you're going to go down a zip line, are you going to jump off with a bungee cord? Are you going to go out of a, a plane for your first parachute ride? Golly, it would be ludicrous to think that you aren't going to be scared out of your boots, but that's all right. You do it anyway. And it's getting through the fear that allows you to experience something new. So even if it's not something that dramatic, the process is exactly the same. Uh, Charlotte Jackson wrote a great piece on living a life of abundance on your income. She says, my girlfriend Nyla visited my home recently as she waited for me to finish getting dressed. She got to experience all the little details and moments I've created in my home. 
She told me how much she loved my home. Later, when my husband came out, he remarked, Charlotte, your, when her husband came out, he remarked, Charlotte, your home looks like it should be uptown. I get this all the time when people come over to my house, and it is just the reaction I want. Upon returning to my home after Hurricane Katrina, I made a conscious decision to make my home a peaceful, calming environment that wows upon entrance. Not just the entrance, before even entering my home, I want you to have an experience walking up to my front door. Really neat piece. Golly, I wrote this week about my work area. I consider it a sacred space. You know, I see people that, golly, they work, you know, standing up in a corner of their bedroom or they have a shelf in the, in the closet or a guy has uh, some co- concrete blocks with an old door across them and he's underneath the stairwell in his house. That's his work area. Got somebody who's allowed their work area to become so crowded with things they're doing on eBay that he really has no work space left available anymore at all. And I go into offices sometimes. It's not that they're crowded, but it's just a conglomeration of loose wires, cobwebs, paper stacks. And I think, how could you be your real best in that environment? Now, I may be exaggerating this, but I know for me, I'm real protective about my work area. I hate even calling it an office because that kind of conjures up the idea of hard work and geez, having to do something you don't want to do. I don't know. I hate calling it an office, but it's my workspace, but it's a sacred space. I want it to feel like that. And I want it to, you know, in fact, release the very best that God has put in me and how I work, where I work, the colors around me. I worked with, with people to help me get the colors and the look and the lighting and the sounds like I wanted so that it creates the kind of space that I absolutely love walking into. I mean, that's part of doing work that you love, I think is creating a space that you love to work in. You can't have that be something that's distasteful or nasty or disgusting and still expect to do your best work. Well, enough on that. Hey, a couple, one more quick thing here before we do the, we are the champions. I continue to get so many books that it's hard for me to keep up. But in the last two days, I've received five here, and I'll just tell you what they are and don't know all the authors, but books that have been sent to me. This is from Steve Chandler, 37 Ways to Boost Your Coaching Practice. Now, that looks great. Thanks, Steve, for that. I'm going to read that and uh, look forward to learning all about it. Kevin Troop sent his new book, Strength to Care, Reflections for Parents of Children with Complex Medical and Special Needs. Strength of care. I know that that's because of a child that they have. Uh, Kevin's been very open and sharing about their struggles and their triumphs with that. Delighted to have that. I got a book from Bob Baker, The Empowered Artist. A call to action for musicians, writers, visual artists, and anyone who wants to make a difference with their creativity. It's really well done. Bob has done a dynamite job. I have read that. I did provide an endorsement on that particular one. So I had a chance to read it before it came out. But The Empowered Artist, how to take your art, put legs on it, make money, serve the world well. Got a copy of Stop Chasing Influencers. You've probably heard about that. But that's from our my friends, Kamanzi Constable and Jared Easley. A great new book, Stop Chasing Influencers. You know, the truth path to b- building your business and living your dream. So I'm delighted to get that, eager to get into that. And then I got a copy 
of Bruce Van Horn's new book, Worry No More, Four Steps to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Now, Bruce sent a whole box of these. He sent 50 copies of these and asked if I would mind giving them out to people who are going to be attending Coaching with Excellence in a couple of weeks. Well, what a precious gift. I mean, Bruce came to Coaching with Excellence, discovered soon after that that he had prostate cancer. He fought that fight, got through that. And golly, he's doing all kinds of physical marathons and things. Back on top, great optimistic attitude. And he wrote a book, Worry No More, even after that kind of experience. But anyway, that's just a, a quick update on some of the books that I've been getting here. I always love getting those. And um, I read lots of books. I try to read most everything that's sent to me. Probably don't get through all of them. A lot of books I pass on to other people, but I'm always delighted to see the the final efforts of somebody who took the time and energy and the discipline to follow through. It's still like birthing a baby, I guess, to have that book in your hand to see that you actually got that far. We know a lot of people talk about it. Not a whole lot of people actually carry through and do it. So again, congratulations by all means to those who are writing or have written books. And with that, we'll go into our little ditty here to get this up and running. Absolutely. We are the champions. We want to congratulate everybody who's in this category. Love getting to this part. We devote at least a third of the podcast each week to success stories, sharing the things that you all are doing. It's not all problems out there. Believe me, there's a whole lot of good things happening. I love hearing those stories as well. So. We'll move from this on into the questions here in just a second. We review here what we want to go into next. All right. Now let's move on into some of the questions here. We got a whole lot of things to get through. Chad says, How can I apply the coaching with excellence to the fitness industry? Wow. I mean, that's really easy. I mean, I love those kind of unique niches. I was working today with uh, Michelle Hammonds, who is one of our coaching mastery uh, clients, and she is a creativity coach, creativity coach. That's her niche. That's what she wants to help people do. And she's going to do it by helping people tell their story, but releasing their creativity. But if you want to be a, in the fitness industry, that, that, that's a, a very traditional application of coaching. I mean, the word coach still, most people conjure up something connected with sports. So if you're in the fitness industry, yeah, that's a real easy application. If you want to do personal fitness training, go into people's homes, and that would be a great way to do that. You know, we, we have a massage therapist who comes to our house every Friday. I mean, that, that, don't get all up in a wad there. That's not just some fancy schmancy luxurious thing that Dan and Joanne get to do. We don't view it like that. We view it as part of our health program, our health fitness program. We're very serious about maintaining our health. So there's a lot of things we do, but getting a massage once a week is part of that to release those toxins, loosen up muscles. You didn't know where you had tension and all of that. Our, um, our massage therapist in the net is an absolute rock star, but you know, she's our coach in that area. She doesn't just come in and just kind of do her thing. She talks to us. She asks us, I mean, she'll, she'll come in, walk up behind me and just pick up my head. And it's like, Oh my gosh, Dan, what's going on with you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, your head is heavy. You know, are you under stress? You know, are you having, um, you know, stressful thoughts? What's going on? You know, so she's very much a coach, but yeah, Chad, you can, at coaching with excellence, 
we help people with all those kind of unique niches. We've had people that are gardening coaches and oh, what are some other interesting ones we've had recently? I love helping people discover these unique niches where they can use their skills and be an effective coach. Jay from Lawrenceville, Georgia says, I'm in the near, well, I'm going to just kind of summarize this. It's a, it's a pretty complicated question about a, an invention design that he's done. And he's saying, you know, should I just do this myself? I'm afraid of somebody else getting the idea and so on. My suggestion is to look at what's happening in that area. Now, there are a whole lot of less than reputable companies out there who would love to talk to you about your invention. I realize that. Be very careful. Do your due diligence. All you have to do is just Google some of these companies. You're going to see the horror stories about people who sent them money and never got anything. But there's a company out there called Quirky, Q-U-I-R-K-Y, Quirky.com that I recommend a lot with ideas like this. Go to them. They'll help you determine, does this have marketable value? A lot of people develop something. They develop, you know, the next Frisbee or the hula hoop, or whatever it happens to be. And they do it in secrecy because they don't want anybody to steal their idea. And then they get them manufactured. And now they have 10,000 of them in their garage. And then they call me and say, Dan, what am I supposed to do now? I'm thinking, oh, how sad. How sad it is that you didn't share your idea with everybody before you ever produced one. Make a simple prototype. Make it out of cardboard or plastic or string or whatever you have to do. And show it to everybody and see, do they in fact even want it? Because the worst thing in the world is to produce something and then find out too late. People don't care. They don't want it. So you want to do your market research. There's more danger. There's more risk in keeping your idea secret than there is in sharing it. Believe me, because there's so much to be gained by other people's perspective that'll help you see it in new ways, help you refine it. Then do, then do one and go out and get orders for 10,000 before you produce those. That's the way to do it. But in this case, Jay, I would recommend you contact quirky, run the idea by them, see what they think. They can give you some valuable input on how to move forward. Jeff from Louisiana says, you know, I just noticed your website, Jeff. I didn't go there. It's European worship Institute. Hmm. European worship Institute.com. Got me curious about that. I'll have to check it out. But anyway, Jeff says, hi, Dan. My brother was born with a non-severe case of cerebral palsy. Our parents were told he wouldn't get past the sixth grade. However, he graduated high school and earned an associate's degree in ministry. For 15 years, he has excelled as a hospice chaplain. He's compassionate, well-liked, and has a positive personality. Unfortunately, he lost his job and hasn't been able to find full-time work in more than a year. I hate to see him discouraged as he has so much to offer in these difficult circumstances. I think he can use the perseverance it took to overcome adversity and those skills learned as a hospice chaplain and some kind of other work but I'm at a loss as to what to suggest. He isn't necessarily an entrepreneur, but I wouldn't put anything past him. He's 56 and still has many good years to give. Can you help? Wow. Great. He's 56 years old, non-severe case of cerebral palsy, has an associate's degree in ministry, 15 plus years as a hospital or a hospice chaplain. Okay. I'm going to reference a question I had a couple weeks ago or somebody said that they wanted to be a student athlete coach. 
where they wanted to work with student athletes coming in to help them avoid the bad mistakes that a lot of student athletes make, where they then sabotage their career path, their scholarship funds, and they're back home where they came from. In that, I said, be careful about finding, having to find a job for a creative talent like coaching. Now I'm going to substitute then your brother with a mild case of cerebral palsy. Rather than looking for another job, you said he lost his job at 15 years as a hospice chaplain. Rather than looking for a job, it may fit better as an independent contractor, freelancer, consultant, or you could even call it an entrepreneur. And with this gentleman who wanted to be an athlete coach, I said, we have 17 colleges and universities. What if none of them wanted to give you a job, but you found eight of them that wanted to have you available for their student athletes two days a month and would pay you a hundred dollars an hour for five hours. That would be a thousand dollars a month from each of those eight schools, a very reasonable small investment for them without all the complexity of bringing you on as an employee. But that would mean, you know, $8,000 a month for you for 16 half days of work. $96,000 $96,000 a year. Now that I framed that because I know that can be done as a coach, but I think the same thing can be done as a chaplain. If your brother has been a successful hospice chaplain, what if he were a chaplain for five local fire departments, three local police departments where it's not a 40 hour job, but he's available when they need him to come in. So he creates a little model. It's just like multiple mini jobs is what it is, but it opens up so many more opportunities than trying to find that one place that's going to create work for him 40 hours a week. That's the way to take a unique skill like that and unique challenges along with that. Not unreasonable at all. And he may not want to work 40 hours a week with that. He can structure how many hours he wants to be available, but see if he can't find eight or 10 organizations where he can be their go-to chaplain without having to show up somewhere at eight o'clock and stay there till five, but carve out an opportunity by just tweaking that work model a little bit. Now that can be done in a whole lot of different ways and with a whole lot of different skills. I mean, you may be a bookkeeper or somebody with human relations skills or data entry person or somebody that does computer programming or web design. You can do exactly what I just described there as well. And in that, you may find that you explode the opportunities rather than being discouraged that there's not one company out there that's willing to give you a J-O-B. It just is a different model. Well, just a reminder here. We're handling a whole lot of questions come in from people like you, the listeners. I love that. That, that's That's a special time for me. Wednesday mornings when I open that special mailbox where all your questions go that are directed to askdan at 48days.com. They all go there. I, I keep myself from opening that during the week. I don't allow myself to go in there because I know I enjoy it so much. But then Wednesday morning, I open that precious mailbox and see all these real life questions roll out of there and have the privilege of just selecting a few that we get a chance to talk about here. But you can do that. Just go to 48days.com, click on Ask Dan. You'll see a little red starburst jump out there. You can leave your question there. Or like I've shared before, you can just send an email to askdan at 48days.com. When you go pretty much anywhere on the 48days 
site, you're going to also see a little microphone floating around there over on the side. You can just click on that microphone. I mean, anybody's computer at this point has a mic built into it, but you can just click on that and uh, start talking. And I get that in a little email that says, hey, Ken left a message, Bob left a message, Sally left a message, and I can just listen to it. And often I integrate those in. Actually, as you know, a lot of times I don't because people tend to leave long messages and rather than taking the time, I usually condense it into a real short question. But I'd be delighted to do that. Sometimes I do like to just hear the individual voices out there. Happy to get your question in that way. Eric says, after 16 years in corporate human resources and several years of inspiration from your podcast and the 48 Days community, I've made the transition into full-time self-employment. I'm finally able to focus my time and energy on a side coaching business that I've had since 2011 at HarmonyInsights.com. It is truly work that I love. I would like to begin blogging very transparently about my journey, highlighting successes and failures as I go so that others can learn from what I've done and have the courage to take their own leaps of faith. Do you feel that blogging so transparently on my main website would undermine my credibility with visitors? Or do you think that it would endear me to them as a small business owner with an honest story to tell? My other option would be to create a separate Facebook page where I attract an intimate audience who is uniquely interested in the day-to-day anecdotes that will punctuate my journey. Thank you for remaining such a constant source of hope and wisdom for me and countless others. Well, I love your question, Eric, and it's a very authentic one. Will sharing about your own struggles undermine your credibility? Well, apparently not. <laughs> and, I, and I speak from a lot of experience in this arena. And, and quite frankly, I used to want to shield my audience from the screw-ups that I had and those learning experiences, you aren't going to hear me call them failures, but those learning experiences I had along the way, yeah, I used to want to just not share those. But I found that people questioned, you know, whether they could ever be like Dan, because he always just had everything, you know, so good. Jesus was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Are you kidding me? And I find that sharing the challenges that I've had, it really makes people feel like, wow, if he did that, maybe I can too, because I'm in the situation now he's describing that he went through. I mean, think about Dave Ramsey. I got a note from Dave Ramsey up here in my computer as we're speaking. And, you know, think about that. I mean, Dave shares very openly about the horrendous mess that he made. Well, he's not there anymore. Yeah, if you're still there, you know, don't share it. But if you came through something and figured out how to walk out of that, absolutely, that's inspirational. No, I think you can share pretty much anything at this point. I can't think of anything that I would, well, I, I'm sure I can think of some things that I would suggest you not share. But in terms of just business struggles, challenges, I think it'll probably add to your credibility rather than lessen it to share that with people. Carla says, this comes from Pasadena, Maryland. I've set up a website and blog for senior pastors to assist them in leading with greater impact on matters related to church. My partner and I had a teaching and magazine ministry business for 10 years. We were incorporated, but never paid ourselves a salary. 
We dissolved the partnership and ministry in 2010, mostly because we could not afford to keep it running. Since that time, I set out on my own to come up with a ministry whereby I can be a resource to clergy and church leadership. My question is, I'm incurring expenses. Since I'm working from my home, I do document these expenses on my taxes, but I have not set up as an official LLC. My question is, can I wait until I start making money before I make this venture official? Well, you've got a couple circular questions there, Carla. There's no reason you can't go ahead and make it official, even if you aren't making money, but there's no requirement to do that. I mean, with what you're describing, have a website and blog for senior pastors to assist them in leading with greater impact. I mean, you can do that and never set up an official legal organization without ever setting up an S corporation, a C corporation or B corporation or an LLC. You can do that. But if you want to really establish yourself, so you really build that business identity and are taken seriously in the community. Sure. I'd encourage you to go ahead and set up an LLC now and it costs you a hundred bucks. Go down to the local courthouse, fill out the charter papers and you have an LLC. Uh, now that does trigger some other things. I mean, you need to be careful about your bookkeeping from that point on, but it sounds like you're already doing that anyway, but there's more to your question than that. I'm concerned about the fact that you and your partner had a ministry for 10 years. You never paid yourselves anything. And now you're up on your own again, doing kind of the same thing and you're incurring expenses, but not making any income. Stop, stop it. This is that old Bob Newhart thing. That, that little clip that I love. Stop it. Why would you do that? Why would you continue doing that? I mean, in, unless this is just some altruistic kind of thing, unless you couch this as your ministry, your cross to bear, perhaps. I don't know. But if this is really a legitimate business, don't keep losing money. Stop that. There's no reason because you're trying to help senior pastors that it has to be something where it costs you money and never make anything. Golly, I mean, look at, there's a whole lot of us out here. Look at Beth Moore, if you know her, or Joyce Meyer, or John Maxwell. Look at John Maxwell. I mean, he has, he's passionate about helping pastors be better leaders and do things that have more impact. Just what you describe here. You think Big John is making a buck here and there? Um, yeah, I know some of the dollars involved and there's a whole lot of zeros on the ends. He has a ministry. I mean, what I do, I consider ministry. I mean, we have a lot of work that we do in churches. A lot of my clients are pastors, but that doesn't mean that I just do it for free. It means I serve them well by giving something of value. They recognize that and give me those things that we call certificates of appreciation that you can put in a bank and pay your mortgage and buy groceries. I mean, keep in mind what we want is that sweet blend of passion, talent, and money. Any two of those alone, you're going to have a stool that falls over. That's just the way it works. So I, I would encourage you build a model where you are making money really quickly. I mean, make money next week. And if you can't figure out a way to make money, go do something where you can. There's plenty of people to offer free services to pastors. You don't need to be another one. Do something where it makes sense for you financially as well. Well, let's keep going here. Alice says, Dan, I'm in my late thirties. I've been diagnosed with a chronic condition that makes it difficult to walk or even stand sometimes. 
Some days I feel mostly normal, but other days I'm walking and holding onto the walls, brain fog, and extremely fatigued. When I first became ill, I missed three weeks of work on my new job. I'm concerned because I need to earn an income, and the job I have requires me to stand and walk long distances. I facilitate groups and do presentations in four junior high and high schools discussing the dangers of drugs, how to deal with anger, peer pressure, and so on, and his suggestions on what I should do. Alice, this is a great example of where you need to figure out how to generate residual income rather than just linear income. Linear income, meaning you provide the services, you go do the training, that's part of how you get paid, and then it's over and you start over again the next week. How could you take that information that is so valuable to those junior high and high school students and the dangers of drug? How could you do a little audio program? How could you do a one Saturday morning a month seminar where it's a condensed time, two hours, you're there, sit in a chair, deliver the content, and people pay individual participant fees to come to that? Could you create an instructional manual that would teach high school leaders, guidance counselors, how to walk them through the program that you're now teaching like this? Could you write a little ebook? Maybe develop that into a traditional book and get published. That's what you you have to take your intellectual expertise, your intellectual capital, and look for eight or 10 other ways you can package that in addition to just standing up in front of a group and delivering a message verbally. You're really close. I mean, this is a great example. If you were having physical challenges and you, your work was as a carpenter, it's still be possible to do the things I'm describing, but it'd be more challenging. But because you're already dealing in the intellectual property arena, you're really close to being able to do exactly what I'm describing. All right, Kim says, I greatly enjoy your podcast. Recently listened to 48 Days to the Work You'll Have on audio. Uh, there was so much actionable content. I purchased the book so I could walk through the process day by day. All right, now here's your question. My husband and I have a part-time photography business. My husband's very passionate about it, talented at motorsport photography. He has a great online portfolio, adds to it regularly. His dream race is to photograph the 24-hour Le Mans. Dan, I know you also have a passion for cars. would appreciate your advice on how to grow a business when there is such a passion and talent for a niche market. Also, as his wife, how can I support him in this dream? Well, again, we've got that interesting blend of passion, talent, and money. Got to be money there. I love your husband's photography. I went and checked some of it out. Really cool stuff. I like cars, motorcycles, all kinds of cool things. Yeah, I think there are ways to partner with organizations that would sponsor him, that would have him provide the photography for you know calendars, for mugs, for things that would be signed by the drivers. When fans come up and talk to him, I think there's a whole lot of things you can do there. I would encourage you to check out my friend, Jeremy Cowart. Now, Jeremy, anybody who's in photography recognizes that name. He's a world famous photographer, lives right here in Franklin, Tennessee, where I do. He has a training program called C University. Jeremy does a phenomenal job about helping other photographers get up and running where they can really get in the game make money as well. Some of the titles of the video series, and he's got like 70 videos in there, but it's 
being bold, breaking the rules, natural light, balancing work and family, making ideas happen, taking risk. I mean, those are some of the things that Jeremy has in there. Ways that you can get in the game. And I just recommend doing that. I mean, one of the things that I've always done, if I want to learn content in a new area, I want to learn from the very best. I don't just try to figure it out on my own. Yeah, I read a lot of books. I study manuals. I go to online things, but I also engage a coach. And I've got, I've got a couple coaches right now that are helping me with some things that are just mind blowing that they're opening me up to. I mean, I've been doing this a long, I've been coaching other people for 30 years, but I still engage a coach. If I want to learn something in a particular area, that's the first thing that I do. So I would encourage you to do that. Check out Jeremy Coward, C-O-W-A-R-T, and uh, his program is called C-S-E-E-C University. Well, as you can tell, I'm challenged a little bit with my voice here this afternoon, but anyway, delighted to be communicating with you as always. I'll be strong and ready to go next week. Hope you're having a great week. Remember, are you ready for your finest hour? I want to read that quotation just one more time and we'll wrap up with that. To every man there comes in his lifetime, that special moment when he is figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing, unique to him and fitted to his talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds him unprepared or unqualified for the work, which would be his finest hour. Winston Churchill. Well, thanks for being contributing member. Even if you're just a listener, I consider you a valuable part of the community. Thanks for being part of this amazing community where we all together are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Stuck in the J-O-B Can someone set me free? I've had enough of this This life is meaningless Don't pay enough This work is just so tough I need to get away The clock is ticking So don't delay It's gonna take your whole heart It's gonna take all you've got To make the future you want To change the future you Say